Nation postgame here. Brent Gunning and no, no Gord Stellick alongside me. It is just me, and I got to be honest, you know, I always love having Gordo alongside me for these shows. Tonight was a night I needed him. I needed somebody to pull me, tether me back to reality because I can't do it with these losses to the Canadians in games that the Leafs completely, completely, completely carry the play in and the one, two, three mistakes they make. And it wasn't just one, two, or three mistakes. But, man, it seems like it happens way too often with this team. I know you've all seen the chart floating around there on on Twitter out there of the deserve-to-win-o-meter. At one point, it was at like 92% for the Leafs tonight. The Leafs lead the league in a lot of stats. They got the best power play going. Their penalty kill and power play combined is as good as it gets in the in the NHL right now. They have to, have to, have to lead the league in times that it looks like they deserve to win the game. And guess what? The other team's walking away with two points and the Leafs are walking away with one, maybe empty-handed like they did tonight. 4-2 is the final at the Bell Center in Montreal. You know, I think the maybe the most frustrating part about this for me is the way the game started. Matthews scores 36 seconds in. It looks like, okay, here we go. The one we've been waiting for, the beatdown is on. And it felt like that's what we were going to get. You look at the way the first period's going, the Leafs are just carrying, carrying, carrying the play in terms of shots. They're out shooting them 12-3. to And Montreal gets enough saves. Jake Allen was really, really good tonight. I don't want to take away anything from what Jake Allen did tonight. He had a tremendous game. But I'm so sick and tired of hearing about another goalie standing on his head. Stop 49 of 51 shots. You pepper him with 51 shots and you have a goal to score for it. The thing I keep coming back to with this after games like this is, okay, what you just got there for the first, I don't know, two minutes or however long I've been talking to the show, that is my first bluff reaction. That's how I feel. It's like that uh, that great, it's an old clip of a Michigan basketball coach runs in to start a to start a presser he slams his notes down that's how I feel okay you got how I feel now what do I think where do we go from here what do we do with this I think all of us can sit here and say okay you pepper Jake Allen with 51 shots from the likes of Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner and John Tavares Ilya Mikheyev, William Nylander, pick your guys who have been scoring goals for this team. You continue to pepper 50-plus shots, and that's a good night for you, and you're going to win more times than not. But I feel like we've said this so, so, so many times with this team. Now, I I don't want to point the finger at at Eric Schalgren tonight because I don't think he was, uh, you know, this was not him that, that let the Leafs down. But I think the first place you go to when you see a team that is carrying the run of play more times than not, that deserves to win on a night like tonight and they don't get it done, I just keep coming back to, okay, how much of that is bad luck? And they're getting all the bad luck out of the way. All these games that they're supposed to win and, oh, look at this crazy bounce at the end. Maybe they're getting it all out of the way. And by the time game 83 and the playoffs come rolling around, You'll have that all in the rearview mirror. Maybe, maybe. But at what point in time does it kind of tell you something about the team that you're looking at? The team that's right in front of you. And that's where I'm starting to wonder. We know what the goaltending is. And again, it's not Eric Schalgren's fault tonight. He lets in, you know, he lets in three goals on 17 shots. They tack on the empty netter. 
And, you know, I'm not going to say he was the difference maker tonight, but in that first period, you know, they only give up three shots. Two of them are point blank from the slot. He makes a huge, huge save there. Late in the period, shorthand, or late in the game, shorthanded, he makes a huge save right after Jake Allen robbed Mitch Marner on a one-timer. So Shalgram was good enough tonight. So, okay, it's not the goaltending. Well, okay, is it a little bit of it puck luck? Yes, I think tonight definitely a lot of it is puck luck. Again, you pepper 50-plus shots on goal, you're going to take care of business more times than not. Now, that didn't happen tonight. But at a certain point in time, you do have to kind of question, wonder, what are the looks you're getting? We keep having the conversation about the second line. What will it be? What is it? What is this team? When will they figure it out? What is going on with this second line? I don't know how much longer we we can look at it. Sheldon Keith, he had his fill of it tonight. Uh, William Nylander, the whipping boy there. And, you know, he typically tends to be. I, I guess, you know, we look at him as it being him moved off Tavares's wing and put on that third line with, with Camp as opposed to Tavares being demoted there. But you've got to do something with that third line. Now, I have been the guy kind of banging the table saying, split them up, split them up, split them up. Marner and Matthews are going so good right now, but you need them to kind of drive their their own lines. And you know, I look at the way the game went tonight from Sheldon Keefe, and it felt like he had two lines he liked, and he had two lines that he didn't. You look at the first line with Matthews, Marner, and Bunting, they are carrying, carrying, carrying the play. And I, I know Matthews gets caught out there, you know, I, far, far be it from his fault at the end. I know his line's out there for, for the last goal that goes past, past a goalie t- tonight. But you love what you get out of that line. And you really like what you get out of your third line. And we finally saw Keefe mess with one of them tonight. And it wasn't the top line. It was that third line. Uh, Ilya Mikheyev got the bump up. So it was Kerfoot, Mikheyev with Tavares, Nylander going back down to that camp line. I I have no problem with shaking things up and trying things. But I have to wonder, why is it not the other way? Why is it not? And I'm not going to say his play. I know he got the power play goal tonight. But he also got, you know, benched and demoted for, for a spell. So I'm not going to say William Nylander deserves a bump up to the first line right now, but this team deserves two offensive lines that can generate stuff and you're just not getting it right now. But I go back to that and I look at the way tonight's game is going and I understand the plan would be you put Marner on Tavares's wing and all of a sudden you're getting stuff out of that line and you keep Matthews and Bunting together and you put Nylander there and that line should be able to generate things. But if, if you take away what you're getting from the Matthews line right now, I just don't know that you're getting much offense. And it's not just the, you know, in terms of scoring. It's in terms of scoring chances. It's in terms of those cycle plays. I like what you get out of the third line there, but it feels like if it's not off the rush, they never, ever seem to, to finish anything there. So that's kind of what I I go back to. I'm I'm genuinely stuck in terms of what to do. I think you have to break up Matthews and Marner. You have to. But I completely understand where Keefe is looking at and going, that's the only consistent offense I can get right now. I can't mess with that. I can't break that up. Now, personally, I think Austin Matthews, and not that he'd be by himself with the line of William Nylander and Michael Bunting, but I think Austin Matthews is just fine enough to keep it humming. You know, maybe this is a silly thing. I don't know. I do wonder, I wonder if part of it is just get him to 50. He has come so close and COVID has hit or injuries have happened or he's just ran out of games at the end of the season. I do wonder if there's a world where 
once the Leafs get Matthews to 50 goals, then you say, okay, now we can start to play around with things. Now we can finally put Marner with Tavares. But I don't know that you can be prioritizing an individual goal over, over that. It's just... It keeps coming back to you need that second line to be a line that can generate things for you tonight. I mean, we've all talked about it. We're going to continue to talk about it. I was going to say until we're blue in the face, but it's either that or until John Tavares starts scoring goals. Because, again, I know I know it was after you know he got in trouble and he got sent to the third line, but William Nylander is the guy who gives this team life. He ties the game with that power play goal in the third period. You need more from Tavares. You just do, and I'm hesitant to criticize him because he's always going to give you all the all the right things the winning puck battles the being in the right place being in the right spot I understand that I I I do but when a guy makes 11 sheets a year he can't just win a puck battle he can't just be good in the face-off circle has to give it to you in the score sheet as well funny face-off circle not really something I wanted to focus on tonight you know I'm jotting jotting down notes getting ready for the show here and I, I didn't think oh we'll definitely talk about you know how the Leafs did in the face-off dot that's been a real real strength for this team and the only guy who was above 50 percent was Michael Bunting and he was 100 percent because he took exactly one face-off you know David Camp he loses here he only wins five of 12 Matthews nine for 19 Tavares, 7 for 16. You know, those, those two are the best of the bunch there. But even Spezza, a guy who's always been kind of rock solid in that department, just just 3 and 9 tonight. You know, it's far from the, the be-all and end-all, but it's just an area where this team has really, really thrived. And uh, tonight, it absolutely wasn't wasn't the case. Uh, I do want to kind of just kind of bounce around, go, go line to line. Look, I, I just talked about the first two lines there. I'll, I'll drill back down to what I saw from Matthews tonight. Uh, that was a, as far as he goes, pedestrian game. That isn't to say he wasn't impactful. That isn't to say he didn't have his chances. He didn't have his looks. But, you know, the the Austin Matthews heart trophy guy, you, you see a little more uh, from him tonight. And it felt like it was going to be one of those nights when he gets the goal just 36 seconds in. You know, the release. We talk about it all the time. That's the one right there. If you want to show somebody, well, what's the goal I use to show somebody how special Matthews release is? It's that one right, right there. And it's Bunting and Marner setting them up. And that, that's what I go back to with the first line dilemma of just what exactly can you do with this team when you have one line that's so consistently giving you what you want. Can you really break that up in the hopes that you can get parts of it uh, from two lines? The, the Tavares-Nylander line, obviously the big, big story there is them them getting split up. Uh, Nylander demoted, if you want to call it that. Uh, Ilya Mikheyev getting the bump, however you choose to look at it. Uh, you know, Nylander's always going to be a, a, a whipping boy. Did not have a good game to start. The second he gets benched, immediately strips a puck, creates a chance. A couple minutes later, he's on the board with a power play goal. That's the reason right there why William Nylander makes 3 to $4 million less than the core four on this team. That's it right there. And I'm not going to tell you that, you know, John Tavares hasn't had quiet stretches as well, but that's that's it right there for William Nylander. And I've always been a big, big backer of this guy. I continue to be. But when we all sit here and we wonder, oh, how come? That's why. That's why William Nylander is a six and change million dollar player compared to the 10 or 11 and change uh, from from the rest uh, of the core four there. You know, in terms of in terms of Kerfoot, he he was on that line a little as well tonight. Uh, you know, a cog. The problem with Kerfoot is he can be a guy when he's the third best player on your line and the other two are going well. He can really help tie plays together and he can really give you something. But when he's expected to be more than that, especially in a top six role, it's just tough. 
It is, uh, it's a bit, bit, bit of a big ass for him. We go to that check-in line. I got to be honest. I was shocked to see Keefe shake it up. I, I, I understand why. I just laid out the case. He doesn't, I don't think, want to touch that first line. Well, it's the only line giving him offense. And until Matthews gets his 50 goals... But I was shocked because the third line has been the other dependable thing up front that you can absolutely bank on. I understand when you break it up, you're not looking to have a check in line. You're looking to get some offense going. So I, I understand it from that regard. And I'm not critical of Keith, you know, breaking it up. It's just, it's a little jarring to see a unit that's been so, so dependable for you uh, get shaken up there. You know, Camp, Mikheyev, Engvall, they're always going to kind of give you the, the same thing. Sometimes the puck may go in for, for one of them on any given night. You know, I, I really have, I've, Engvall's a guy I think most of us have done a big, big, big 180 on in, in this season. Or even, you know, we've all done a degree of turns. You know, even people who are starting to come around, I think they've come all the way around. There were people who started as Engvall backers, then they, then they got turned around. Now they're back to where they started off, uh, Pierre Engvall, making a lot, a lot of people uh, believe. And then the fourth line, I uh, just kind of, you know, want to mention it there. Uh, Colin Blackwell, he was a guy who I thought, Kind of jumped out, had some stronger shifts in the first period, and then as the game went away, just became less of a factor. And obviously, you know, that's going to happen. The, the other part of this that I, that I wanted to touch on before I switched to the D, because, man, some of, some of them had a rough night uh, as well. We, often, we always focus. Whenever William Nylander has a rough night, we always, always have to talk about it. But there were a couple blue liners that, uh, that I'm usually heaping praise on that, that had a rough go of it tonight. But that's the other thing that drove me kind of nuts about this game. And I know you were taking the play to them. I know you outshot the Montreal Canadiens. You, you peppered 51 shots on, on their net compared to the 18 that they, they peppered on yours. I understand it. You were pushing. You were pushing. The Canadians are an inferior team. They are not as talented. And they were down to 10 forwards. I understand that that's not going to show up right away in the first period or even in the second period. But you should be skating that team out of the rink to begin with, especially with kind of your first and third lines there. When you drop down to 10 forwards, that should be another thing in your favor. And I understand the argument of a team like Montreal. They lose a couple forwards. That actually probably helps them out. I get it. But the extra miles, the extra minutes, they do catch up on you as the game goes on. And it was, uh, it was really a shame that the Leafs couldn't, couldn't take uh, advantage of that. Switching gears to the blue line, I thought TJ Brody had a rough night tonight. Um, I've really liked the pair, him and Hall of Form, since since that's been been going on. I guess since Muzzin went out in the last time uh, the Leafs played the Canadians there. I, I thought he had a rough night. I, I know the one obvious play uh, is on, I believe it was on the Savard goal or the Caulfield goal. He had a flip play trying to clear the zone, and he just didn't get enough on it, went right to the point, set up a perfect, perfect opportunity. And, you know, TJ Brody doesn't do that, so I don't think you have to make a big deal out of it. But there were just two or three other kind of giveaway plays tonight from him that you don't. Uh, expect to see it's just not something that you typically see in, in his game so you know as far as guys who need to be better again the forwards you need something out of that second line but you need you need tj brody to be tj brody i don't think he was tonight you know mark giordano it's going to be kind of a learning experience in terms of what he he can give you I, I liked a lot of what you saw tonight. It was a guy who was kind of finding his role, when to jump, how does he work with, with Timothy Lilligren. I know they had the one play they, they kind of got jumbled up on. I will say I did see the legs kind of rearing their, uh, their ugly head a little bit tonight. There were a couple plays where now because of veteran guile or knowing where to be or making the break right, right, right away, he was able to just skirt by it. But there were a few times tonight where Gio just got by 
kind of by the skin of his teeth in in terms of what you in terms of where he wanted to be positioning wise. So just just something to keep uh keep an eye on on there. You know, another thing I, I haven't really got too much of a chance to talk about it is that that Rasmus Sandin injury. You know, I think that's a real big blow. Obviously we don't know exactly how long he, he's gonna be out or when he'll be able to play, if there's going to be a chance for him to to make a difference later on this season. But I think missing out on these crucial games, and I don't mean tonight in in Montreal against the Canadians, but I mean down the stretch when it matters, when things get tighter, when things get chippier. This guy's already missed a fair amount of hockey early on in his young career, and you just don't want to have him kind of missing these opportunities. Also, you know, I think he's he's probably one of your best seven, uh, or well, definitely one of your best seven, probably one of your best six uh, when when all is said and done. Uh, I guess a couple more things uh, from me tonight before I uh, before I get out of here. Eric Schalgren, you know, he was not he was not stellar tonight. He made some huge, huge, huge stops. I don't think this is the future. I don't think this is a guy who you need to factor in the long-term plans. I do think this is a guy that's going to poke around the NHL for a while. You know, that looks like a backup goalie to me, quite honestly. And honestly, at times, he, he looked better of it or he, he looked better than that tonight. So I think, you know, it, it was nice for him to kind of have a, it was the opposite of it. Well, actually, it was a catch-your-breath game. He's getting peppered with shots left, right, and center in Nashville over the weekend, and then he faces three in the first period tonight. Completely different challenges. Uh, I, I thought he dealt really well with them, or w- with the different challenge he faced tonight. In terms of the decision they make to go with Shalgren tonight, Mrazek tomorrow, it feels like what you have to do here. You know, I know the team is hopeful. Campbell's getting closer and closer. If Mrazek is going to be a guy... You need him to be the better of these two goalies. I'm not saying you need him to be, well, I mean, you'd like him to be, you need him to be. I'm not saying he can be your starter right now or a guy you look at as the starter. But he absolutely needs to be better than Eric Schalgren. And I'm not saying that about the performance Schalgren put up tonight. But I am saying that in terms of when you're picking a guy to start against the, the Florida Panthers tomorrow. Uh, I'll, I'll look ahead to that game quickly. We have been waiting for this game for way Way too long. These are the two teams, you know, the the Leafs and Bullets, they played each other a bunch. You feel like you know Boston like the back of your hand just because of all the battles over the years, even though it's a, it's a different Bruins team this year. But this Florida Panthers team, it feels like they have just been turning into like the Incredible Hulk down there in Florida doing their thing. It feels like every time you turn on the turn, turn on a highlight show, it's, oh, Panthers, 6-2 winners tonight. Now, that's not going to happen. They, uh, they got to go to overtime and potentially more against the, uh, the, the Senators. So it'll be interesting. Both Leafs and Panthers will be playing a back half of a back-to-back. So I think that the, uh, the built-in excuse is there for whoever doesn't look great. But I don't want to hear that. Uh, I am happy it is uh, Peter Morazic making the start. We'll have that game for you on Sportsnet 590, the fan full pregame show as well. Uh, that will be on the Maple Leafs Radio Network as well. One other thing before we uh, get out of here that I've got to got to mention. The hype train is in full, full swing with Matthew Knees. I am here for it. I love it. I love it. I love it. It's been so long since there's been a Leafs prospect. And you could say, well, hold on. Wasn't Nick Robertson, wasn't that like this year? Wasn't that this calendar year? This feels different. I don't know if this is just the hype train getting out of control. I don't know if it's the fact that he's a type of player that the Leafs don't really have outside of a guy like Austin Matthews in terms of that big, big, big power forward presence. But you know, 
you know, the hockey March Madness, the Frozen Four, it doesn't quite get the pub, obviously, that, you know, NCAA basketball March Madness does. But I've been seeing all these these nice highlights, and every single night, one, he throws some guy through the glass looking to put him into the first row. If he does that, his first shift in Toronto, already instant fan favorite. And two, he scores huge goals every night. He scored one that sent it to overtime to help them advance the other night. He had a couple right at the buzzer. Uh, ultimately, they came up short uh, in their conference championship game. He just feels like one of these magic guys. And not to put him on, uh, on level with the prospects that you're even seeing being the Leafs core for right now. He is not the prospect that a Nylander or a Marner or any of those guys were. But he just feels to have that that little bit of magic, that guy who can get it done in the moments that matter. And I don't want to put too much on the kid. Who knows if we'll actually see him here this year, although that seems all but a, but a done deal whenever his, his season is done. I just wanted to say I'm so happy that the hype train is in full full swing with this guy because this team right now, you look at the way they played tonight, and it wasn't a bad game in Montreal, but it feels like a team that needs just a shot in the arm. And if some rookie coming in, running around, trying to put guys through the glass, and maybe, just maybe, he can play in your top six, maybe, just maybe, he can pop in a couple of goals, that, that feels like something that could be, and again, not the difference maker, but just a shot in the arm, just something to give this team some life as you, as you go down and try to, try to battle for a playoff spot. And I guess that's the last thing I'll actually end on. It is going to be a fun, fun finish in the Atlantic Division I still think the Leafs are one of the best three teams. I still think the Leafs are going to finish in one of those second or third spots. But whoever it's going to be, it's going to be one of Boston, Tampa, or Florida. And I, I would say I can't wait, but I got to be honest. I'm going to be a nervous wreck when the playoffs get going. No, I will not be a nervous wreck tomorrow. Panthers and Leafs will both be playing the back half of a back-to-back. It's the first time they're going to play each other this season. We'll have the game for you on Sportsnet 590 The Fan, along with the Maple Leafs Radio Network. But most importantly, thank you for listening to Leafs Nation Solo, Brent Gunning Edition. Gordo's back with me tomorrow. Keep on listening to Leafs Nation on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Thank you.